All right, welcome to season two, episode five. Um, moving right along, and before we get into anything else, I have to always start our episodes with thanking our new patrons. So we have three new patrons this week, all three. Um, so we have, all right. yeah, we have William Chinney, um, Iris Bear, and Oz Maniac. Three, uh, three new patrons. Um, so very excited about that. Hopefully, we keep that going and keep keep growing on that and those those numbers because that just means more giveaways and then better equipment for all of us. We were talking about that before we actually <laughs> started recording about just upgrading things. Ian and I were before Chris yeah. joined in. So, so um, it's definitely in the budget. Um, hopefully the more we can have, the faster we can get stuff. So um, right now it's not, we're not breaking the bank with anything, but it's, it's, it adds up, you know, as, as my boss always used to say, pennies turn the nickels. Um, and, and, and coin shortage that we're in right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> big deal. Uh, <laughs> Thank you all. Uh, Are we really yeah. in a shortage, though? Uh, I mean, there's signs everywhere. I mean, every single place I went, I've been to, like even to get gas today, I went to like the gas station. They had "We will not give change" signs. So um, I saw it on the internet, and it was in two different memes that were really funny. So it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So other things going on. Um, we hit 700 followers on Twitter. So that's another round number. Nice. Yeah. nice. Uh, working towards that 1,000 number. Um, as I said before, when we hit 1,000, I'm going to do a giveaway um, uh, for for just, yeah, probably a book giveaway. Giveaway a book when we hit 1,000 Twitter followers. So if you guys are listening to this and you haven't followed us mm-hmm. on Twitter yet, or if you don't have Twitter, like, yeah, just create a Twitter account and follow us. So. Yeah. Um, Ian, have you created a Twitter account yet so you can just follow us? <laughs> you have one follower. Ah. And <laughs> just follow one person. I'm at yeah, that point, if, if I add one more piece of social media, I have to remove another. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I don't want to have sure. more than a couple. So I, I think yeah, I'm good where I'm at right now. But I do like <laughs> you guys. You have an unofficial two thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and the other category that I'm going to give away for is when we hit 10,000 downloads. So we've blown past 9,000 so 9, downloads. Well on our way to 10. Um, I think we're about halfway to 10. So we'll probably by next week, actually by our next time we record an episode, be, be announcing another giveaway. So that's fun. Um, cool. So I was planning on doing a giveaway in August anyway, so I might come a week early. We'll see. It'll still take me a while to run the whole giveaway thing. So um, it'll still be August before I actually buy and give away a book or something. I uh, will probably give away a copy of The Great Hunt since that's what we're working through. Um, a nice hardcover copy. Um, was it Twitter question mark? Zul just said Twitter question mark. No, it's 10, 9, 1,000. A thousand. This is we're gonna edit this out, but a thousand Twitter followers are gonna go away, and then we hit ten thousand downloads. Um, that's of our podcast total downloads for our podcast. So we're at we blew past nine thousand. Anyway, do a brief pause and jump right back in. All right, and then a couple other big things coming up. So by the time this comes out, um, it will already be passed. But for everybody listening, chat right now, and I can talk about how awesome it was. So we can act like um, we've already done it, but. On Saturday, recording this Thursday, Saturday, we are doing part of the Watt Podcast Athon charity event, the Charity of Time, put on by the Wheel of Time podcast. Um, it's our time slots, 2.45 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We have a lot of stuff going on for it. I got a lot of stuff planned. Ian and Chris really have no idea what we have planned, but it's all the works. You guys just show up. It's going to be fun. Um, <laughs> Sweet. Every day. <laughs> that's all you have to do for this podcast anyway. I do everything. You guys show up. And that's how I pitch to them. So don't, I'm not doing it as a dig. I'm doing that as 100%. That's what their job is. It's to show up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's hard enough some days. <laughs> I know. That's the bad part. That's going to be like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, other announcements, too. Um, the next episode that we'll be recording, um, we'll have a guest host. We have uh, Joe and Jin from Talker Ran Riyadh uh, coming to join us. Um, so very excited to have them. So um, um, they'll be coming on Tuesday night. Uh, so that'll be a, you know, a couple of days for us. But by the time you hear this, it'll be a whole week before you listen you know, and hear it again. But yeah, so excited to have them on board. Um, to come guest host for an episode. So it'll be the next episode, episode nice. six of season two. Um, and then as far as any other updates, um, merchandise, I'm still working on a merchandise store. I'm actually been talking to a couple of, I had an online place I was looking at doing, decided not to go with them. Actually, I'm not ready to announce it quite yet, but there's another content creator whose wife um, can actually does this for a living and sets up uh, merchandise such um, stores online and and does all that stuff so i've been working with them to see if we can work with another wheel of time creators family and keep it kind of in the content creator space which is kind of cool so uh just working through a lot of stuff behind the scenes but that's Mm -hmm. still coming i'm hoping by hopefully by sometime in august to have that going um we also have some people helping with designing so they're not going to do design they're going to help us up the store so Lots of things in the work there, so we'll we'll get there when we get there. So that's kind of where that is. Um, and then that's it for as far as housekeeping. I know it's a lot. Uh, I think I just talked for like six minutes about all the stuff coming up. And there's more that I'm not ready to announce yet. Just keep going back week after week. We'll have more stuff coming up. But that's kind of the big stuff going on right now. Uh, so moving on to personal life. Um, it's been hot as crap uh, here in Virginia. Yes. Yeah. It's super – it's um, it's that time of year, July, August. End of July, beginning of August in Virginia is – yeah, it's um, miserable. It's miserable. The humidity is like 100% every single day. It's uh, so, you know, with 100% humidity and and with uh, Fahrenheit temperatures approaching 100 um, almost every single day, the heat index are well into like 110 degrees. You know, it's just – it's miserable. Um, um yeah, it's just it's just bad. Uh, it's sticky. It's nasty. It's humid. It's just gross. But we went to the beach last week, so that weekend. Um, so I took the whole family. We went down to uh, there's um, uh, Fort Monroe, which is an old army base that's now uh, closed down. It's now turned to a national park. I guess it's or I'm not sure if it's yeah. a park or what. Yeah, national something park, something like that. Something like that. But they have beaches there. Um, at the old military base. So we went out to the beach there on the bay and, um, and it was a lot of fun until the very, very end. And my son learned his, uh, his first encounter with the dreadful jellyfish. Yeah. Um, so the jellyfish are, yeah, they're out, they're out of full force now. And, um, I kept on telling my son about, you know, this jellyfish out there that you keep watching out for him. He's two and a half. Um, so, uh, growing up, I've been stung, I don't know how many times. I mean, I've come out of the water wrapped with like five of them around me at once. 
Um, yeah. So I, I know the feeling, and as a two and a half year old, I can only I, I just try to talk them through it because it doesn't go. It's not like a quick sting, like a bee sting, and it goes away. It lasts for like a couple of minutes of just sheer pain, um, and it comes in waves. And my wife's never been stung before. She grew up in the mountains of Virginia and didn't really spend much time in salt water where there's jellyfish. So oh wow. Um, so she's never been stung before in her entire life. So like my son gets stung and she's asking me all these questions. I'm like, I'll be fine. Just rub some sand on it. Like, <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you want me to pee on it? What do you want me to do? Like, yeah, he'll be fine. Uh, but of course she's freaking out, but I was able to talk to her. And he was actually, he was a really good sport about it, but uh, uh, definitely got to remember that as his first jellyfish sting. So um, <laughs> what about you guys? Man, I, when you go to listen to this, if I'm laughing in the background as you tell that story, I'm not. I'm not like that twisted. I'm not laughing because a two and a half year old got stung, uh, but it it just gave a flood of memories of all of my kids and literally their first time getting stung. And every single one of them, it's like they have this look on their face of well, sheer horror because, like you said, at that age, they're in total pain. But they also have like this like look on their face like why would you let this happen to me so it's like it's borderline heartbreaking at the same time and yes. i'm like you know but you're trying to tell me like look that's that's the risk we take to have fun in the ocean so you know you could stay in the sand or roll the dice and go play again <laughs> no yeah so anyways i i could picture that as you were saying it oh mm-hmm. yeah and, uh, and, and we we've, we've done stuff that we, we we used to throw jellyfish at each other Ian and i did so yeah. um <laughs> You get used to it. <laughs> we used to build these. I'm not going to say what they are because I'm not sure how legal they were, but these things that would shoot things. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and we'd fire, we'd fire uh, jellyfish out of them um, at each other. So uh, yeah, it was it, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but, <laughs> but at a young age, that's a very horrible sting, horrible thing. Yes, so yeah. I get it. Um, yeah, so you uh, you kind of stole my thunder. I was going to talk about the crazy heat uh, this last week. It was nuts. Uh, again, I'm still hanging out with the boys. We stayed on a houseboat for a few days, um, up near Richmond. So further up the James river, didn't have to deal with any jellyfish there, but it was crazy hot. And then on the first day, the AC broke down. Uh, and then the second day it was like the heat index pushing 110, and we were fishing and canoeing on the water pretty much all day. Uh, we're supposed to stay a third night, but I messaged the guy and I was like, Hey, look, we've had a blast so far. But you, you got to kind of monitor the energy levels, especially the little kids. And my four-year-old, like two days in that blazing heat, he was dunsky. So I was like, we need to just go sit in air conditioning for 48 hours straight. So we we packed up early, um, doing a, a couple days at my mom's. And then we have some more fishing. I got a charter this Sunday where we're fishing uh, around the bridge tunnel. We might do a little bit of offshore and Saturday, before we do our event at 2.45, as long as the weather holds, we're going to do uh, an hour-long uh, flyover of Hampton Roads, do like an air tour. Oh, cool. So, yeah, the, par- the party continues with me and the boys. Uh, work is suffering. Hopefully, my boss doesn't listen to this podcast because this is me admitting that <laughs> I am so far behind in actual work, it's not even funny. But mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll get there. So it's been worth it, though. Yeah, I've gone back to working from home again, so I'm uh, back to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wink, nudge. Yeah, I got you, man. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> with the kids around, oh my gosh, it's tough with the kids around. You know? For sure, sure. Can't tell them no. 
Now, now, Chris, you are always busy, so tell us about your business life. Tell us all about your busy life. <laughs> well, everybody knows I'm taking the Chris program with Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. And as of late, I've been helping to teach the class <laughs> and moderate the class. And they're using Google Classrooms and Google Drive, which half the administrators don't know how to use. So I've been having to help monitor that on top of taking a second certification class and working three jobs. So been navigating quite a lot, a lot of different things. Uh, and then I've got uh, almost two full weeks left of my programs. And then I'm done um, with all the schooling that I'm doing for right now. I say that with the right now, because once I'm done with these, I've got my practice to take a week from Saturday. And then um, I've been asked by my pastor to come along and take a course with the church so I can go out and minister. Um, so we will see how that goes. But I'm definitely stretching myself a little bit right now in order to hopefully reap some awesome benefits later, um, not just for myself, but just in general. On top of that, I've been helping to navigate some things with the school systems as we try to determine how we're going back to school, if we're going, we're not, but if we're going back to school, um, and then what the digital world is going to look like when it comes to education for our community. So been a lot going on, very busy, a lot of important decisions to be made. Luckily, I just have to help maneuver them. I don't have to make them. And that is it in a nutshell. Yeah. Nice. And how's your back? How's your back? So oh, yeah. Because I, I was, I'm that guy that can't say no to people. And mm -hmm. had a couple friends ask me if I could help them move. And I was mm. feeling really good. So I was like, yeah, sure. I got you. Well, that wasn't the best thing to do for a healing back. So I probably I set myself back about 15%. I spent my entire day to day just stretching and icing and heating. Um, everybody on camera today thought it was pretty hilarious because I'm in my office doing yoga forms and stuff hmm. to oh. release tension in my back while working. So it's been interesting, to say the least. I'm actually sitting on my ball now, stretching yeah. as we speak. <laughs> Speaking of yoga poses, uh, Lan Madragoran um, on Twitter, Lan, like the character, there's a Twitter guy yeah. that calls himself Lan. He is actually, he does Tai Chi and part of the 24 hour podcastathon is going to do a whole hour of Tai Chi. So if you want to stay up, that. yeah, you can stay up till I think it's at three o'clock in the morning or something like that. Yeah, tai I can't chi. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> Our time. But uh, if you're somewhere else in the world, yeah, do some Tai Chi with Lan. Um, <laughs> I thought it was really interesting. I was like, well, I guess Lamb would do Tai Chi. I mean, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, work through the Learning a lot about him as we yeah. go along. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, um, that's pretty – yeah, it sounds like you're busy as always. Um, <laughs> sorry that I've added more busyness to you by saying – as I say, I say yes to a lot of things, and we've said yes to <laughs> a whole lot of stuff in the next week. So uh, – I looked between, at it. I had my, my grandmother. She's 91. She's like – is there anything you can just give up to relax? I was like, Grandma, I, there's nothing I can give up because I enjoy everything that I'm doing. I was yeah. like, I put myself in this situation, so I will own up to and take care of what I can. So for those of you listening tonight, I appreciate you putting allowing me to put this off until tonight instead of Tuesday because I almost died 
<laughs> with the <laughs> amount of work I'm buried under. Sure. I'll be up till one o'clock, two o'clock tonight finishing work. So I appreciate it, you guys. Okay. Yeah. We appreciate you just coming out and talking to us. So uh, thanks, Chris. Well, Yeehaw. with that, with that being said, let's move on to predictions from last week and then into the actual chapter. So, um, some of the predictions, and and I'm going to throw back a, a throwback one as well, just because uh, a character resurfaces. But uh, Tom and Moraine uh, uh, are a thing. I think Chris said that last week. That was oh yeah, I said that Tom was going <laughs> to ride in on his horse. And yeah, that. yeah, and snatch up Moraine. Snatch up um, Moraine. Tom Hawk, the White. Yeah, Archer Hawkwing's descendants are going to teach Rand how to use the power. And then you said Varen might be the one to teach Rand how to use the power. Mm. Uh, I guess the Brown. That was another prediction you guys made. Um, uh, another one that you guys made before, but you reiterated again last week, was that Land will leave Moraine for Nynaeve. Um, <laughs> that was a prediction that was made a long time ago. Um, but you guys said it again once the whole land I have seen from last last week. Hmm. And then the one I was going to throw back that, that hasn't just because the character came back and we only met him briefly in Eye of the World. But um, Bill Doman is a dark friend. Uh, our sea captain. That, yeah, we failed on that one. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> you guys said he was a dark friend all the way back. Uh, right after Shadow Log off when, uh, when um, uh, Rand, Rand and Tom and yeah. I guess Matt, I'll get on his boat. Uh, he shows back up again on this episode. So we'll talk more about it. That's a prediction you guys had with he's a dark friend, but we'll talk more about it when we get there. <laughs> well, since, since everyone's a dark friend, we weren't wrong. Yeah, yeah there you, you are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's a prediction that Alan's a dark friend too. So um, well, we know that's true. There is knowledge <laughs> of not a prediction, not a hope, not a maybe. There's knowledge. Yeah. He, he's planned out our next six years of our life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the day. Uh, but <laughs> anyways, let's go ahead and move right into this uh, this chapter. So chapter nine, leave takings. And the symbol is the flame of Tarvalon. Uh, or Tarvalon. So thoughts about, I mean, the chapter titles, leave takings. We talked a little bit about last week. They're leaving. Yeah. Um, out. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. And the flame, you know, that flame, that half of the I should die symbol of the yin and yang symbol, um, the flame of Tarvalon is the, is the symbol, which we, we've already talked about represents the I should die. So anything else you guys want to add to that or any thoughts before we just jump right in? No, nothing here. What about you? I, I didn't get any surprises. This one was pretty yeah. straightforward and we were right. People started to take their leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so here, here there we, we go. go. Well done, Jordan. Well done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get the award from us creative. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we start the scene uh, in the courtyard, um, I guess outside the keep. Everything's super busy. Everyone's getting ready to leave. So there's people getting horses ready. They're, you know, there's hustle and bustle. As you expect when you have these two giant groups that are about to leave. You have Inktar and his whole crew that's going out after the uh-huh. horn. And then you have the Amlin seat and all of her, you know, uh, you know, our procession. Posse. Yeah, our posse, ice dyes and warders and and of course servants and everything that comes with that that are getting ready to leave to go back to Tarvalin. So um, two pretty big parties that are getting ready to leave. So a lot of bustle going on. 
Um, and, and Egwene, it starts out like kind of in Egwene's character. Uh, she's getting ready to leave. Um, and let's talk about just kind of uh, this whole scene. You know, you have you you meet some of these other uh, you meet some of these other um, uh, Shinarans that we might have talked about before. But um, I know we talked about Masima. We mentioned that before. And Ragnar, we've talked about. And Uno, I don't know if we've met Uno before, but we definitely meet Uno. We have. But we definitely get to know Uno here. Uh, but, you know, they're and, all there. And we know where Uno gets his name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, do, we do realize where he gets his name. Um, yeah. Um, and and Masima keeps like, giving Rand these kind of, like, mean looks. Um, so that's kind of the first scene <laughs> before Loyal comes up and talks to Rand. It's just this scene of everybody getting ready. Is there anything particular that stuck out to you guys about this? Or I love how within the first sentence we have a nice, you know, foreshadowing the the bundle containing the harp and flute. So I feel like sometimes soon we're gonna have our friend return to us. Tom the White is gonna come back to lay claim to his instruments. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Um, I, I think it's really cool how he talks about the busying about as they are preparing to leave. I mean, I think in a lot of the books that I've read, the author almost always goes from like, okay, we're chill to, all right, now it's time to travel. But here Jordan really takes the time to talk about the preparations and the excitements, and the crowd. He really gives us this imagery that kind of pulls us into the story, which is really nice. And it, talks to his experience of you know prepping for leaving so it's kind of like a, a throw off to those my opinion the soldiers leaving for war which is really cool yeah yeah anything for you Ian? oh you know i just kind of underlined took note uh where they're talking about reagan and uh massima is that how we say that massima massima gosh i totally butchered that uh but he says um Reagan waved to him. Uno nodded, uh, but Masima was not the only one who gave him a cold stare and turned away. So uh, I guess there was mention before of a couple people here and there that kind of uh, gave Rand not a hard time, but uh, you know, a little bit of eye rolling. But there seems to be a couple more now that are looking at him with this cold stare. And it's right on the eve of them actually going out to go do some presumably badass stuff. Uh, so, you know, I started thinking about the the culture there, these people that have been raised in this town, that it's been their job to like constantly go out in the blight and fight Trollocs and whatnot. And they're looking at him, this young guy that is in a position of power and influence. And they're like, well, what has he done to earn it? Mm -hmm. You know, they, they probably have certain rights of rights of passage to, you know, rise to the level that someone like uh ingtar is at but you know within this group uh rand is kind of you know uh on par with uh ingtar if you will uh, or mm -hmm. other people might you know look at him that way and then also question how in the world he got there so he's probably got some uh proving himself to the rest of the group coming up yeah i agree yeah, and, and you learn Loyal's going with him at this point. And Rand tries to go uh, out of his way to apologize to Matt and Perrin. Um, you know, he's trying to make amends for what he did in a couple of uh, chapters ago when he kind of told them off. 
and um, and they're just ignoring them, um, like outright. Don't even want to talk to them. Like they just right away when he goes and tries to talk to them, leaves and goes to the other side of the yard, like the the, uh, the courtyard, and um, and Rand's you know frustrated um, at that, and 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 Loyal comes up and uh, and he apologizes. Of course, accepts his apology because Loyal's just that type of person. Or he's loyal. loyal. He's loyal. He's an old gear. He just, he's a nice guy. Uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, accepts it. He's like, all right, we're friends again. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, he almost like takes ownership for the shitty comments that were made. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But I really like his reasoning behind going. He's like, eh, I can't take a chance to pass up to pass to see history actually leaving itself around to Viren and to help find the horn. So he's, you know, outside of the norm for O'Gear because he's all about the adventure. And of course, he says it's for the history, but his thoughts trail off with finding the horn, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, at this point, you know, like, but before we get there, what do you guys think about this whole, at least initial, and throughout these, this, uh, these next chapters, like, just the way that Matt and Perrin are acting towards Rand. On the one hand, I get it. Um, but on the other hand, I don't know. I, I think they're, they're taking it a little bit too far. Rand has made some attempts. They should have at least had the conversation, even if it turned it into a yelling match. The whole being passive and just kind of, you know, not making eye contact and moving across the yard or, you know, later on just moving to a different part of the formation and ignoring, like, I mean, you know, me, Alan, Chris, you don't know me that well or as well as Alan, but uh, like if there's an elephant in the room, I shout it out and point it out. I'd rather talk it over. I'd rather, all right, this is the problem. How are we going to fix it? Sort of thing. I am not a fan of the whole, let's be passive aggressive and let's just ignore people and ignore the problem. So yeah especially because they're about to go on a pretty significant people might die uh, adventure here. So mm-hmm. you think that would be enough for them to force the issue, have the conversation and, and fix what was broken. But yep. I think for me, it, it reminds me of the immaturity that's still happening because they're still boys. Mm-hmm. Like these aren't men. These are not people that are looking to resolve conflict. You know, they're in a moment of peace. So they're kind of reverting back to childish behavior and it's more Matt than it is Perrin. Um, mm-hmm. Matt was kind of resistant to it. I think Matt would have just addressed it and been done with it and moved on from it. Excuse me. I think Perrin would have addressed it and just moved on from it. But Matt is the one that's still, you know, quite a bit childish. And to be honest mm-hmm. with you, we, we know that Matt wasn't in his right mind as he was going through the entire first book. So at the end of the day, like he hasn't matured the same way the rest of the group has because he was literally out of his mind. Yeah. Yep. And it doesn't even remember most of it. He doesn't even remember most of it. Yeah. So like he hasn't had the same experiences. He hasn't moved past being an Edmund Fielder. Right. Like everybody else has been out in the world and they've had this really horrific experience and, you know, he, beyond needing the knife to live, he doesn't even fully comprehend what they went through. Right. True, true. 
Yeah. So we get to this next scene, and well, it's the same scene, but Land shows up out of nowhere because he's a warder. And that's what warders do, is they just pop out of nowhere. Um, and he wants to talk to Rand alone, so he pulls him away from, from Loyal and, um, and gives him his final lesson um, on sheathing the sword. And, and I, I don't know what you guys thought about this, but I'll, I'll read the quote to you, you know, and, and then get your reaction. Because I know when I first read this, I definitely had a reaction to this. But there will come a time when you must achieve a goal at all costs. It may come in attack or defense, and the on- and the only way will allow you will allow the sword to be sheathed in your own body. And the only way will be to allow the sword to be sheathed in your own body. It, they call it sheathing the sword. Um, so basically, it's a sacrifice move. If you didn't catch that, so there come a yeah. point where you'll allow the person to stab you to win. Um, so. I don't know what you guys thought about the whole interaction, but Rand's kind of like, that sounds like the dumbest thing in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it, well, it, it reminded me, me of uh, Sabupu. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Japanese ancient samurai mm-hmm. um, you know, act of suicide. Sure. And, you know, it, it essentially was stabbing themselves in the belly with their sword, slicing mm-hmm. their stomach open, and then turning the blade upward to end themselves in a fatal wound. And, you know, I, I feel like if it came down to it and Rand was captured by the dark friends and was at a point where he was going to be forced to serve, then this is the best solution. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it made me think back uh, to earlier in this book when... Lan was teaching some of the sword forms and poses and whatnot sure. to Rand, and one mm-hmm. was the heron, something with the heron in it. The heron wades in the rushes, I think it was. Heron wades in the rushes, and he's like, "Now that one's only for balance. Like if you were to actually use it, you know, you'd be able to drive a blow home, but you would also uh, leave you yourself would, open, right? You'd leave yeah. yourself open." And I think even then, I mentioned I was like, "Oh, you know." wild prediction you know something's going to happen along the line where he's gonna you know be such an even match or almost overmatched where this this is something he has to resort to to be able to defeat somebody where he has to make up his mind okay to actually win this overall sword battle and defeat this guy i have to give up this one shot or something like that so i guess he has to use the crane kick to beat uh what's his name to win the karate championship wax on wax off Rub my hands together for a little bit of heat. Where the voice in his head overcomes him, and the only way to rid himself of it. Ooh, Uh, yeah. The voice, yeah. Okay. Because we don't know what that voice is and where it's going to drive him. Yeah, yeah. We talked about the voice a little bit, but yeah, good point. Mm. Yeah. So I didn't, I don't know. I guess I didn't consider uh, more of the sacrificial suicide thing. I thought of it as something happened more in the more in the heat of the moment more in a battle more in i don't know mm-hmm. yeah 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 so next thing we see is is uh our our good old lord algorithm algamar uh he shows up and he's protesting to the armorlin seat about leaving saying you should stay you should stay and he's like no we have to go um and they, he overhears there's some sort of trouble in Amoth plane um, and that makes Rand remember Tome and Head because that's right next to all the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what uh, what Fane had said. Um, you know, and, and it kind of has this before ranking. You think about that much. The Amblin approaches to kind of send them off. Um, so, any final things before we get to this next crazy scene? <laughs> Mm. No. Any questions about all that? I know Chris. Sometimes you like to go back a little bit. Or is there anything that that we missed? Well, in my mind, I was like, I wonder if more death can foresee some of the future. Because oh. in my mind, he's no longer Bane, but he's more death. So, okay. Yeah, true. Well, I mean, I feel you on that. The transition into more death for sure. Um, yeah. Good, good point. Making making pretty solid predictions to Rand like that. Yeah, yeah. And so the ambulance comes over and she begins to send them off, and then all of a sudden there's a flash in front of. Uh, uh, well, before that, Rand senses a watcher. So, um, you know, he senses something, and then there's a flash in front of his eyes. Um, and then next thing you know, there's a man that's fallen down dead, and the ambulance bleeding. And an arrow was shot at them. <laughs> and, and and chaos erupts everywhere. So I mean, if you just picture this scene, I mean, if, if you think about the gravity of this, I mean the, the ambulance seat is I, I don't know of a modern day equivalent, maybe the Queen of England. Like I mean, I couldn't the, think the of pope? like a the Pope. I mean when like the pope, some, when the Pope travels. Yeah, something of that nature where you have like a figurehead, um not even a figurehead, because this is a leader. Um, so, I mean, just to go back to medieval times, imagine the king or, or Queen Elizabeth, the first Queen uh, Elizabeth, when she actually had power. Um, not, not that the Queen doesn't have power now, it's just that they're more figureheads than, than uh, the parliament roles in England. Uh, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, English listeners. But, um, but um, oh, they probably will correct me. But, um, but imagine something similar to that. And uh, obviously, they get struck by an arrow. It's it, everything goes goes crazy um I, I know this was right in the middle of the hustle and the bustle of everybody getting ready but i cannot imagine uh that at any moment any of the eyes to die but especially the amerlin were not being like secured in in various layers with the war uh the warders that were there mm-hmm. like um I think it's significant enough that whoever this was broke through the the security of, you know, this place where they are and Algamar's people. But uh, so far, you know, as a reader, we have the, the warders are just these super smart, uh, fantastic warriors. They can sense danger before it comes and all this jazz. And this person is still able to slip through all of those layers of security and mm-hmm. get this arrow off. So, yeah. She tries to brush it off as no big deal, but this is a big deal. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. And before I even get into that, I want to go back a little bit because we kind of skipped over my favorite part of the chapter. Okay. And that was with Loyal. He said, but you humans do so much with your lives. We do nothing but huddle in our steaming. Planting the groves and even the building were all done before the long exile ended. And it's a sense we found our way back to the seating. We he trailed off. I, I really like how Loyal kind of looks at humanity 
He's yeah. like, you know, you guys have such short lives, but you do so much in that time. He's almost envious of their ability to get stuff done. So I just, I really appreciated that perspective because as somebody that's busy with the hustle and bustle and, and trying to do as much as I can and what I feel like is a very short amount of time, you know, it, it, it really is true. We, we live lives that are so short and we should learn to appreciate and, and enjoy everything that we do, but also do as much that we feel like we can to, you know, fulfill whatever our, our ambitions in life are. So as I appreciated that sentence that Loyal gave. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. then to the point of the attack on the Amerlin life, which we're not quite sure that's the case. I agree with Ian. How in the world? I mean, um, Lord Algorithm stated that he had like tripled all of the guard. And yet here we've got an arrow shot at somebody in the party. Mm -hmm. Like it makes me wonder if it wasn't an Aes Sedai dark friend using some type of magic or something. But we'll never know. Oh, yeah. And I, I also want to add, um, let's be honest, we've read many stories like this uh, where they just get nicked by the bad guy's weapon. They go, oh, no big deal. I've, you know, I've, I've cut myself more working in the garden. This is no big deal. There's some sort of poison or dark magic or something involved here where her little scratch is going to be like, yeah, I'm writing on. And then poof, dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> which, yeah. which is just going to be that much more crazy for our heroes because there's already a very small number of people in powerful, uh, powerful positions that know what they're up to, right? Mm -hmm. And that are backing him. So if they lose to Amberlynn and now it's just Moraine and our brown sister, like they, they don't have a lot of people left on their side, you know? <laughs> right. So is that a prediction that this arrow shot's going to kill, that's going to end up being poisoned and the Amberlynn's Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I won't say that she'll die, but she, yeah, it'll, it'll be pretty significant. Sick or near death or dead. Okay. Yeah, so immediately, um, you know, Algamar goes and tries to is ashamed and tries to say about not defending the Amberlin and Amberlin kind of brushes it off, like we said before. Like it's I've I've cut myself worse cutting fish or you know, cleaning fish when I was a kid. Uh yeah, this, that's this, what she said. This is nothing. Um and you know, the Amberlin said, you know, if it was meant for me, it would have been a truer shot, but I don't think this error was meant for me, or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So do you guys think the arrow was meant for her or Someone else. Uh, you you've got two people, so you have you have two people that we believe have fairly decent insight instincts. The Amerlin, who in her mind suggests that it wasn't really towards her, and then um, you know even Rand thinking it wasn't aimed at her, and she knows it. So. I, I think if both of them are having those strong doubts, uh, they I, I think it was definitely for Rand. Yeah. Which means whoever shot, why would they shoot Rand? You know, Rand can serve in life or death. As a matter of fact, he'd be easier to get to in death. Yeah. 
So this might be part of the Dark One's plan mm -hmm. is to bring him down as quickly as possible. That way he can manipulate him. It could also just be a man-hating Red Aja. Like, just, just because, you know. Sure. <laughs> sure, sure. So, um, at this point, the ambulance says, you know, we're leaving, they're leaving, send them off. And, you know, Angtar's group, you know, they gallop away for the horn. Everybody's cheering. Rand goes to catch up. Uh, of course, once again, Matt and Perrin are avoiding Rand. Um, and at this point, we learn a little bit more. So, we learned that once they get a little bit away, uh, two Shinarans are missing. Um, uh, we learned that from Inktar. Um, so mm -hmm. I had question mark there for you guys. Um, you know, they were the guards on duty before all this went down. Uh, they're missing. Um, they weren't accounted for. Uh, and we also meet Heron, our sniffer. Um, so I, I want to talk a lot about, or just, just kind of go through, you know, learning about sniffers and their powers and Heron and Heron and also about this whole thing with the Shinarans. So let's talk about that. Well, so with the, with... You go for it. No, go ahead. Uh, let's say with the Shinarans, uh, you know, we, we had questions about, you know, how they got out. Um. I think Chris and I both believe pretty strongly that uh, more death is taking over Pat and Fane quite a bit, if not completely at this point. And then also what we know about what could have happened to Matt, you know, if this happened to Pat and Fane, that that evil, um, you know, it kind of bleeds into the people around you. Uh, it can make them go crazy. So is this what happened to those two guards? Was it a temporary thing, a temporary madness? Or was he just able to influence them? Um, and, you know, by the end of these chapters, we don't really get a complete answer on what their involvement was. So, you know, I, I wonder if we ever find out about that, like like how they were used. Or, you know, were they just their lives threatened? I, I can't imagine these type of men... Uh, somebody could just threaten their life or hold a sword to their neck and make them do something, um, you know, so rash, like let this prisoner out. You know, I, I feel like there would have to be some sort of um, chemical or magical influence or, or some type of compelling or whatever. Well, you said a word that I was thinking about pretty heavily. You said compelling. And we know that we have some... Uh, I Sedai that have some mm. pretty compelling powers. So sure. part of me wonders whether or not they weren't coerced or compelled, like you said, to actually act. So yeah. there is that thought there. And it is highly feasible that that's exactly what happened. Um, that would go right along with the idea that it was an Aesodai that caused a lot of the issues here. So, just some thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then our, our sniffer, you mentioned him, so we roll right into that next. So, this I still don't have my mind wrapped around, uh, but it's funny, as he talks about his run-in with a brown Aja before, those were the questions that I first asked. I was like, okay, 
like they're trying to hide this from the eye Sedai. Is that because they think it's like a man channeling? They're like, nope, they say it's not channeling. Uh, but we've, you know, we've heard about this wolf brother thing with Perrin, and it's mm-hmm. part of a old magic or old power, or it's older than the one true power, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I started thinking the same thing. Like, is it old? Is it new? Is it old come again? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, of course, we don't get those answers, uh, but yeah. yeah. We definitely don't, but the good thing is that we do realize that our people understand that there is some real significance and there is some real value to these people with the new old, old, new power. So they are protected, and the Aes Sedai aren't all-knowing. So that's that's always a little bit of, you know, comfort for me. Yeah. And did you wonder at all if this sniffer is just somebody like Perrin that hasn't fully crossed over yet? Because Perrin kind of has that heightened sense of not just sight, but smell. Like, he can... Yeah, I kind of wondered about that because... I don't, know, I don't know if it's the exact same, but... I don't know. It was kind of alluded to it. So I kind of... Because Aaron kind of makes some of the same comments. Right. That the like he thing. notices the foul stenches the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the seems to have a more attuned like, sensory notion of smell. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Right. He might just need his one weekend with Elias and then poof, he'll <laughs> be good to go. <laughs> But you know, Heron here only smells violence. He doesn't smell like prey and things yeah, like that. Like an empath. Right. It's yeah. Like a new way of saying it. Like I've never thought of an empath as a person that smelled violence and that sort of thing, but it kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. 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 And you know, then they start talking to you know, talking to them. He says he smells something worse than Trollocs. Um you know, and I had a question mark there for you guys. You know, what's worse than fades and trollocs? Um, a dreadlord. A dreadlord. <laughs> sure. What are the ones that fly? I forget the name. Drakkar. Yes, Drakkar. Mm-hmm. I should really remember that. It's the same word as Game of Thrones almost. Yeah, similar. Uh, and then still, I go, you know, I go back to more death. I feel like. Uh, oh. Man, I I, sh- I should have gone back and pulled it up, but you know they talk about the types of evil, and then there's there's that chaotic evil mm-hmm. that like it doesn't it doesn't align itself and and uh you know make friends with other evil. It just wants death, destruction, turmoil, chaos, and and that's kind of like more what the the more death is, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah. And then, so Ingtar asks them, you know, which way they're heading. He says south, and Ingtar's surprised and says, you know, they're heading south. They should, why aren't they heading towards the blight? And says, nope, south is where they're going. Um, you know, at that point, it, we kind of end this scene with Rand thinking about Egwene and they're riding south, and we switch characters. So, anything before we switch over into a completely different setting and character? Hmm. Apparently, the Amaralands suggested that they might have been going south because once the guy said south, Ingtar was like, well, she was right then, the Amaralands. Yeah. You know, a great and wise woman. So, I, 
hmm. curious what her reasonings were behind suggesting that. Hmm. Is there some part of the prophecy or the dark prophecy that maybe I didn't well, pick where up? Where is the horn used again? Uh, the the horn uh, is is linked to Ilium. Is where they've always. And I'm geogra- ge- geographically stupid. South, yeah, Ilium so, South, Ilium is South. Um, my thought is they're headed towards using the horn to bring back. Okay. The heroes so, to use for evil. Right, and they're be- well, they're bound to whoever blows it. But so, wait, are we saying it has to be? Blown at this one location for it to work, doesn't it? Well, I guess so. Because why not? You know, otherwise they would have just blown it right off the bat. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, sure. Probably like a smaller piece of a larger puzzle. <laughs> well, speaking of Ilion, yeah. that's where we go to next. Um, so this next scene, we're in Ilion, uh, Ilion, uh, and we're in Bill Doman's point of view. So we met Bill Doman for like one chapter in the eye of the world. And now we actually have a point of view from him. He's our sea captain. If you guys don't remember. Oh, I remember him. As soon as I saw his name, I was like, yes. <laughs> and I, I re- I'll, I'll forever remember that the boat is called the spray yeah. because that was one of our questions uh, during the wheel of time Actually, trivia thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That one is stuck in my brain now. Captain of the spray. Yeah, so it starts with Bill Doman. He's in, in Ilion, and he's going to meet someone at the the the, the most famous named inn in all of Wheel of Time. Um, which, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> which everyone wonders what that might mean. Um, I think everybody knows what it means, but uh, and into windows fully on. Um, so yeah, they go to the easing the badger. <laughs> if you guys didn't know. Uh, um, it even mentions like no one knows why it's named that, um, but yeah. So, and, and he gets inside the end, and three men approach him, um, and they're the ones that want to hire him and to pick, and they want to pick someone up um, over in in Minar. So, let's let's go. If if you guys have your books or if you have your maps or whatever, uh, and and uh, so if you see at the bottom where Ilian is, kind of right in the center of the bottom. They want to go to Mayan, Mayan, which is all the way on the right side of the map, like as far over to the right as you can get. It's a little tiny, small. And so they want to send, send Bill Doman over there to pick someone up and bring him back. Okay. What was that, Chris? You broke up and it got mumbled. I said only yeah, slightly, slightly shady. Exactly. So, yeah. And wait, so looking at this map, or is it, you know, north is up, south is down? Yes. Okay. So, Ilian, oh. Ilian is right in the middle down. You see Ilian? Yeah. And well, I should have looked at this before. And if you go over, there's there's tier, and then halfway between tier and, and my and, and man. Is here, so they're like man's the other peninsula juts out right there at the mm-hmm. very yeah. So that's yeah. So Mayan is east of Ilion. Yes. Ah. Okay. Yeah. And then makes to- more sense. And Toman Head, where we talked about before, is all the way on the west side. Um. On the on the peninsula. Uh, on the peninsula on the peninsula juts <laughs> out into the Arth Ocean. 
Uh, we're, it's a giant penis. It's giant Tom penis. And head yeah. is yeah. a penis. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so we've talked about that place before as well. So you can always refer back to the map um, if you guys want to know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to have to buy the physical book the next go around. I'm, the ebook yeah. not work. You should always pull one up the computer too. But yeah. Um, so yeah, so back to this conversation. So these guys show up, they offer him a ton of money. They offer him a thousand gold marks. Which he comments is like a crap ton of money. Um, He'd be lucky to make that in like what three years, yeah, something like that. Exactly. So mm-hmm. two hundred gold up front. Um, when he gets to the dock, they'll give him three hundred, um, and he'll get the rest when he gets back. So basically, half of it for half the voyage, two hundred front, three hundred at the halfway point, and then the next last five hundred when they get back. Um, and you know, pays them the money up front. They're in Tarvalin marks, our coins, which makes him a little confused. Um, and you also learn that people are killing his crew. Um, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Killing his crew, but like seemingly like looking for something. Yes. But it's not necessarily jewels and valuables because they're leaving things behind that, mm-hmm. yeah, are valuable. They're looking for something. So what are your thoughts about all this, this weirdness going on? It's hard not to say what you already know before you right. get there, but you know, when I was first reading through it, my mind was like, man, what did he come across that he shouldn't have? That was where mm-hmm. my mind went right away. First it went like, okay, do we have another false dragon that he needs to transport? Right. Like, that was the first thought, but like, I was being naive in that that frame of thought, and as I started reading further into it, I was like, "Yeah, he's not really going to take the deal. He's going to take this money and run." Because yeah. that's what I would do. If somebody was asking me to do something without giving me any details, yeah, sure, I'll do it for you. Yeah, give me the the little letter here with the the big wax seal on it, and I'll do exactly mm-hmm. what you need me to do. I'm taking that money. I'm gonna be out yep. of there. Yeah, I wrote in the margins as I was reading this uh, Turkish delight question mark. So I was wondering, are they somehow did they find him because of the the silver coins that oh. they got from the boys? Sure, that the boys got from Moraine. Yeah, did he give him back? No, oh, I thought, no, mm-hmm. no, no, he, he gave, gave him he back change, but not, he never gave back the coins. Yeah. Oh, I no, thought he, he gave the coins back. back. So at at first I was thinking maybe it could have been that, but you know, right. We find out perhaps not, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, Dovin says, we know uh, we sail right now. It says, you know, no, no waiting for the crew. Um, you know, we, we ship out now. So we got enough people, you know, you know, let me know when we're past the breakwater. Um, so for anybody who's not sailors, that's pretty much when you're on the open sea. Um, so when, when, whenever you're heading out of a um, harbor or at least uh, any inlet or even the Chesapeake Bay, uh, which has a very, very wide mouth, but whenever you go out into open ocean, um, usually there's a carved channel you're heading out towards and there's breakwater all around you. Um, like literally waves crashing. So, yeah, 
And yeah. he, he can attest to he's laughing, but yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've come out of one in broad daylight and barely ran aground enough where I could have got out. But then all the other fishing boats that were coming out, they had to go come out at full steam to stay up on a plane. And then their wake washed me up on this itty bitty island. Yeah. And it happened very quickly. Uh-huh. I was like, oops, we bumped the bottom and then douche, douche, douche. And I was way out of the water. Uh-huh. Um, yep, I remember. So yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky in broad daylight. Um, but night nighttime, man, you can have that whole area memorized <laughs> and stuff will still pop up, man. It's it's rough. Yeah. I think we, uh, I was I was there for the, if you, the same one you're talking about. Um yeah, yeah. And for that one, and I think we could have got the boat out if it wasn't for the fact that the uh, um, the waters were shark infested. Um, yeah, we were arguing about who would get in. Yeah, and, if we yeah. if we if so, we taken the the halyard of the boat and pulled the, the walked it out, walked yep. it out, we probably could have popped it off and and been just fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were shark infested waters, and and very very well known shark infested waters. Um, so. Yeah, lots and lots of sharks, but yeah, whatever. we eventually got off. We did. <laughs> That's a whole other story. But uh, so, uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, they they Bale Doman goes down below and he decides to open the letter. So you know, heats the wax up, pops the seal, reads the letter, and of course, the letter says, "Arrest this man, take all the stuff, kill him." <laughs> We'll take everything except let us find what we're looking for and you can have everything else. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. That's yep. about the right way of putting it. We still don't know what that thing is. But... Yep. Which makes even who it's signed by makes even more suspicious, sir. Yeah. Is it the um it's the king. The king of Kyrie yeah. of, of Kyrian. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which we've talked about Kyrian. Yeah, we've talked about Kyrian before. It's another one of these countries. So the king himself, um, and he starts trying to think of like what they want from him, and he starts talking about all the things he's collected. Uh, starts about light sticks and the skull of a cat with fangs and a ivory carving and a disc. Yeah, and then, and then the heart stone. Mm. Yeah, the seal to the dark the one's prison. Uh, well, yeah, so he has he has cool. one of the seven seals on his boat. Um, so you know who doesn't know that? The Aes Sedai don't know that. <laughs> the Aes Sedai <laughs> <'Cause> they, <laughs> because they, have no they idea. don't know what they're doing. <laughs> right? Um, what are you doing? Uh, I'm guessing. But if you, I guess there's nobody coming. But if I was a betting man, I'm. I think that they're trying to go after the cat, the the saber tooth tiger. Um, that's what they're going after, right? Uh, that's really what I'm, I would that, go after. I want the spray itself. Like the yeah, spray just go. seems like, I mean, it's shallow enough to go up the rivers and whatnot, but it's sturdy enough to go open ocean. Like, come on. Yeah. That's, that's the prize. Yep. And the chap. Well, here's a really cool thing. I like the light stick sure. in the description. Yeah. Of the light stick. It says the light stick from left from the age of legends or so it was said, certainly no one knew the makings of them any longer expensive that and rarer than an honest magistrate. It looked as um, looked like a plain glass rod thicker than his thumb and not quite as long mm-hmm. as his forearm. But when held in the hand, it glowed as bright as a lantern. It almost, almost sounds like yeah. a flashlight. 
like I don't or like you know how you have those road hazard lights where you click mm-hmm. the button and it comes on it's just a bright light like because I know we've had this talk of this conversation that maybe this has happened mm-hmm. really far in the future so far that's reverted back to the past so maybe this is some form of like new age technology that has yeah. been lost to time exactly Ooh. yeah and the only thing that makes it different from a flashlight is if you drop them they, they burst into flames and burn everything down um <laughs> so well, I've, I've had a, I, old I've, mrs leary had a lantern and uh mm-hmm. when the cow kicked it over it's about this that's about what happened exactly so all of chicago felt that yeah although so th- there's one other part there um where the fellow who sold it claimed if you held it long enough you started to feel warm yeah and carving or whatever yeah yeah, but so like, remember, every time Rand starts to channel, he starts to feel the warmth and the heat and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, is this like a uh, an angriel or wh- whatever they're called? Yeah, but for the yeah. for the male side, is this something that would help a male channel? Oh, it, could mm-hmm. it could be a lightsaber. That's what it is. It's a lightsaber. It's a fl- it's a flashlight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So we end this chapter with Bill Doman, um, you know, trying to piece everything together. And one of the crewmates, I guess his first mate comes in and says, you know, we're past the breakwater. Now what? He says, make West. And they're kind of confused. They're like, I thought we we're going East. He goes, nope, we're going West. We're not going anywhere where they told us to go. Um, far away from everyone as possible. And that's the end of the chapter. That's what they really yeah. wanted. Yeah. Well, this is why I needed to look at the stinking map. And now I feel like a moron for that <laughs> because he says make west. And I guess I didn't realize that that was the exact opposite direction yeah. of where we just got paid to go. <laughs> right. So that kind of rewrites in my mind how this story is going to play out. <laughs> I am a moron. Yeah. But that, this makes more sense. Yeah. Oh, they want to kill me. Well, better go see how this how this plays out. No, no. He's going the opposite. I want. It's like let's I go. want more gold. Yeah. He's he's like I'm going to go the other way, <laughs> which which makes complete sense. If you thought he was going towards it, yeah, that that would make no sense. Yeah, it's, I, I was confused, but I was also drinking at the time I read sure, it, so sure. yeah, whatever makes sense. So, any final thoughts from this chapter? I know it's uh it's not necessarily a long chapter. Not a whole lot happens, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh, Chris, I minded it. Uh, minded it. Wow, I started to talk over you there, and I think you said, um, with them heading west. I think you said, and that's exactly where they wanted them to go. So, are you uh-huh. are you suggesting the guys that? Because I'm starting to think this now too. Because it. it you pay him enough that he could essentially retire off of it, or at least for a long time, not have to work. And then you give him a letter that's very easy to open up without really damaging the seal to look at. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. it's starting to seem. It's right. a setup. Okay. I don't know. What is, what is West? What is he yeah. headed towards? I mean, he talks about there's trade villages. There's lots of cities to the West. There's actually more land to the West than there is. Right, a lot of options going that yeah. way. If you since you have your how far is it from where the guys are going? Opposite direction. Is it the opposite direction? Opposite direction. Yeah, the same direction. Yeah. So it is the opposite direction. Well, of where our, our group. group are you t- which group? Are you talking about Bill Doman? Are you talking about 
Angtar. I'm talking also, about Rand. In the that's west. That's Tobin Head's west. Um, so that's from where Ilian is. That's that's really, really, really far away. That's, but, but yeah, it's west. I, I've I, so the same general direction, but not so in the same. Think area. about this. Think about this way. Think about the United States. Ilian's like Texas. So he, imagine there's no Mexico. Okay. It's just an ocean down to the south of America. So Ilian's Texas, and west would be like going to like Southern California or whatever. And where Tomin Head is, is like San Francisco. So like halfway up the west coast. Yeah. So it's not on the gotcha. southern coast. It's back up around. But but yeah, it's it's west, gotcha. but Understood. it's. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, any other thoughts for this one before we move on to the next chapter? <laughs> I just think it's really cool how these characters keep coming back. I know you said in the first book, never, never discredit a person, never forget who's here and mm-hmm. who's not. You never know who's going to pop up, back up. And then you never know what role they're going to play. He's got a really vital role yeah. all of a sudden. He's a little bit yeah. of a hoarder, but he's hoarding one of the most important pieces in the book. Yeah. So, and I mean, does he really know what he has? Not really. He just knows that right. it's valuable. He doesn't, and I, I think he kind of stated he knew what it yeah. was. But he, so. knew, he knew his heart stuff. And he knew that he, he got it for a good price because the guy he bought it from didn't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah, but he has no idea. No, he has no idea that what has. that's a seal. He just knows his heart's down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Here, I, I had already like yeah. counted him out. <laughs> I, I mean, it's going to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, ah, and he's gone. Uh, and all of a sudden, <laughs> We get into his point of view, and I'm like, why is he back? Why are we getting a more vivid description of him? Why does he even matter? And now he's got one of the seals. So there you go. So for anybody that's listening on Discord, we're going to, of course, take a quick break. Um, Go ahead. Have fun with uh, Fred Boat. Um, Play whatever you guys want while we're away. And we'll be back in, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. I need to make another drink, and then we'll start the next chapter. So, see you guys in a bit. Sounds good. All right, moving on to chapter 10. The hunt begins. And the icon is the horn. Um, obviously, the, the horn. So, um, you know, I, I think I want to talk about this one a little bit more because I don't know if you guys thought it was going to take this direction. I think uh, last episode, at the very end, you guys talked about the hunt begins would be them leaving, not already left. Um, so did that surprise you? I mean, I guess once you read the leaves take it, didn't it? but just in general. Oh, I didn't, didn't throw me off too much because, um, really this is really where they're digging in and getting going. They were, yeah. we were kind of setting the scene in the last chapter and, right. you know, introducing a few new characters that might be significant, like our, our sniffer is kind of important, so you had to get that ready to go, and then all right, we're mm-hmm. off. Boom. Yep. So yeah, so we start uh, with Ingtar's group 
I called Inktar's group because he's in charge. He, they're riding south, extremely hard pace. And Rand's wondering whether they can keep this pace. Like, do you think we're actually going to catch them, like, in day one? Like, this is insane if we keep this pace going. He's probably day um, one, hour one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and, and yeah, Rand, Rand's, yeah, uh, yeah th- think that pace is way too fast. Um. You know, Rand tries at some points to ride with Pat and Marin, but they, of course, avoid him. You know, he goes to the front, they move to the back, he goes to the back, they move to the front. Um, she's on their voice the entire time. Still doing their thing, still avoiding Rand, obviously still upset. They're, they're, they're not happy with him. Um, and, uh, and you get a little bit more from Uno. Um, he's our, our lovable character, which uh, he, he uses language a lot. Um, so, uh, in this world, they cuss differently than we do, but, uh, <laughs> uh Uno, Uno cusses a lot. <laughs> so he's but, like um, that, like old crusty Sergeant major first Sergeant or something like just a senior enlisted yeah. dude that don't care anymore. Like he's been along around too long and he's too important for them to fire or anything. So he just says whatever's on his mind. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, they keep on heading south, and they realize the path never comes near any villages at all, like, within, you know, just this path intentionally avoiding, you know, people, uh, which makes sense if you're running with a bunch of Trollocs, um, you know, uh, and, and dark friends and things like that. You'd want to avoid people. Um, and eventually, Ingtar does order everyone to rest, and they start to slow the pace after that. Uh, so then we get to this first scene where a loyal wants to talk to Rand, but Rand is someone really want to talk to Loyal. Um, so let's talk about all this. The very first opening scene and, and what you guys think about this whole entire party heading south. And <laughs> do, you, do you like to run, Rand? Loyal laughed. I do. I was the fastest and steady Shanghai. I outran a horse once. <laughs> like he's totally <laughs> missing out. And what's going on around them? Like, he's like, "Oh, we're getting off our horses! Yay!" <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. But I love him. I, I love him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, like I said, Rand the entire time was wondering if they could keep pace, but the pace does slow down eventually. Um, well, I think that's really going back to Uno and his statements and everything. It's like bloody well moving fast, my lord. We've not made up an hour on them. Burn me. We made a we may have lost the flaming hour. They'll cure the bloody horses the way they're going. It's like, oh no horses that bloody trollocs, some flaming goat feet over there. Like I I like this guy. I really do love the way he <laughs> like you said, he you can tell what the curse words are in his speech. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite characters. Um yeah. I hope he doesn't die soon. Like, <laughs> you always got to be like, worried about that. You really do. Like, knowing that Jordan's friends with Martin, I kind of expected a lot more of our favorite characters to die in book one, and that did not happen. Um, sure. Yeah, he's but, even kept Tom around for this long. So, exactly. so it's like, <laughs> you know, he gives us all this hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, and then the, um, the just the conversations about the speed and about the rate of travel. Um, I think it's very important to bring up. I'm getting an echo. Hold on. Do you have both phones open, 
Alan. I, I, I have an echo as well, but I don't have both things. I just, yeah, I'm muted on discord. I, I'm, I might've been the cause I'm, of that. I'm, I was uh, whispering to my four-year-old. He was asking for granola bars and chocolate. So of course I said, yes, it's like, he knows I'll say yes to whatever, whatever he asked for right now. Okay. I like granola bars and chocolate too. Where's mine? Yeah. I, yeah. I should have just said pause and then got the full spiel and told him to bring me some, but oh well. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, I was covering up my mic and I don't know if that affected it, but uh, it, it sounds did. better now. Yeah, that's yeah, it. it. Does. My bad. We're good. All right, we'll pause. So I do um to enjoy the the banter that Loyal has, like the idea that he outran a horse. Like I wonder what his endurance is like. I know that's a stupid question, but he's this big beast of a thing that outruns a horse, I wonder, like, what other hidden powers he has. Like, I'm just completely enthralled by the old gear and, and wanting to know more about them. So I hope that we learn so much more in the next three or four books. Yeah. Yeah, clearly riding with this party, he's going to get caught up in some mess of fighting. Like, you got to anticipate that. And right when they were getting ready to... uh head out in the last chapter you know ran even noticed so he doesn't have a weapon he never has a weapon well like do, do ogears even carry weapons do they even well, need do you, one do you think yeah. he'll actually engage in, in battle i see i feel like he would do something to defend those that he loves and cares about but will he be super aggressive no but mm-hmm. will he do enough to defend those around him yes but to what extent and how yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 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 So they finally, evening comes. Ingtar announces to make camp that night. Um, at this point, Rand finally goes through his stuff, you know, to try to find, because he mentions clothes in the last chapter that he's, his clothes were not meant for riding. Um, you know, he had, he still had his like ceremonial Fancy. garb on. Yeah. So he goes through his stuff and realizes all his stuff's been replaced with like even more fancy stuff. Uh, and by Marade, and he's kind of pissed, you know, thinking like, you're even trying to pull strings here. Like, you're even trying to use me, control me out here. And he's really upset about it. He even asks, you know, like, do you guys think this is okay for riding? He's like, yeah, it looks fine. It looks like fine. <laughs> well, I'm um, wondering, like, these are tunics. And a lot of time when you look at this style of writing or if you look at this style of like role play game, Tunics have or could have embedded magic. Mm. Like they could have protection purposes. They could have um, some type of shielding purpose. Or they could be like high intensity antennas for tracking Rand wherever he is. Or maybe they kind of stop him from using the one power. Like we don't know. If Moraine gave them to him, they serve a real purpose. They're not just pretty. That's my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah I didn't. I didn't think about that. Like that's the first thing that hit me is like whenever you play an RPG or whenever you read about this type of stuff, normally the clothes serve a, a greater purpose than just looks. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, and uh, when they go to finally eat, Masima is the one that's cooking. Um, and they all get in line, and Masima just glares at Rand and slops his food on, actually burning um, Rand a little bit, you know, like gets someone's hand. And 
uh, actually gets scolded by another one of the, I think I'm not sure who it was scolding them, but about dropping food, but yeah, it was, ooh. was it? Zuno. It was, yeah, was the one I man. Cause he cuffed yeah. him. Yeah. Zuno. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which is kind of funny. That man is the ish. I like Uno. Yeah. <laughs> if if you I, I did see that you posted on Twitter who our favorite character would be from this uh this chapter, and Uno's got my heart. Oh <laughs> you, you, <laughs> look, you look at the poll. <laughs> Forget the I, like, <laughs> I and I didn't look at the poll, I just saw the question pop up. So I just like <laughs> swiped really quickly so I couldn't read. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we did take a poll. But um yeah, we'll get to the very end. Um so Masima, like he's keeps on giving Rand looks and now openly like and he's been doing this since a couple of chapters ago. Like if we first met Masima, he gave Rand mean looks and they mentioned that when he was guarding one of the gates. Um so what's your thoughts on him? Dark friend, no. <laughs> dark friend that's going to be our, our default answer for everybody okay no but we don't we learn enough to know what the real answer is I yeah. think so Maybe, we do yeah, it comes paragraphs. up and there's a few paragraphs yeah. so yeah. it says um, Uno no doubts wonders if you are worthy of a heron mark blade mm-hmm. because Rand realizes that he's getting weird looks from him and, of course, mm-hmm. Matt snorts out loud about that, but we won't go there. <laughs> yeah. And then he said, uh, Masima acts like he hates me, and I don't understand. And then it's explained, Masima served three years in the Eastern March uh, at Angkor Dial. Is that Dale? Uh, yeah, sure. Against the Aeol. So oh, yeah. it goes back to that whole concept of, you know, you throw a head garb on Rand and he looks just like an eel man. Yeah. So in this, in Masima's mind, Rand is a eel and he's an enemy. Yeah. And Lloyd even breaks, breaks in saying, Yeah, I thought you were a eel too. Remember when I, remember I quoted it? Remember, yeah, remember <laughs> the first thing I said. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, was, was the eel greedy? Uh, and Matt's like, he's nothing freaking special. He's from the Two River, too. I grew up with him. You'd never yeah. know it now. But <laughs> this IL stuff is nonsense. Don't put that yeah. in his head. So Matt's really going in. Like, Matt is clearly being childish, highly upset. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know, I know that's Ian's boy and all, but Matt's being a little biatch. <laughs> he, he is. He is. He's got yeah. some growing um, up to do there. Yeah. This this is around the point where people, most people start to hate Matt because um, Matt's just being Matt. Um, I would love to have a shufa. If anybody knows what a shufa really is, I'll put a shufa on and wear it one day. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's too spoilery, but they 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 have them for sale. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I can I can send you a link to to cool. shufas for sale. Um, yeah. So sure. Um, yeah, the week the weekly wheel news um, does has I think actually has shoes for sale. You know, we um, gotta so, get yeah. our we have to get our uh, costume ready for Jordan Con next year. Oh yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, so you learn more a little bit more about the IEL as well here about like just their how 
hard people they are. Because I think Ingtar mentions I would, you know, much rather have a bunch of Aiel men than these soft people. You know, and, and Rand's like, "What are you talking about? These are like the hardest men I've ever met. Like these soldiers are, I guess, not nothing compared to Aiel men. Like it, it boils in the and during the day, it freezes at night." Um, and we just lost Chris, so let's pause for a bit. Chris just dropped off anchor, so everybody listening, um, we're waiting for Chris to come back. Good time to take a sip of your drink, people. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Cheers. And Chris is back. back. And we're back. Ah, all right. So brief pause, and I'll go over here too. So yeah, right here we learn a little bit more about the IEL. Um, we we learn that they're very very hard soldiers. Intar makes the mention that um, he wishes he had some, you know some people half as hard or something like that um, as Aiel. And Rand thinks that's hilarious because Shinarans are warrior people, and from what Rand can see, like the hardest soldiers he's ever seen. Yeah. Um, well, I think it was more Inter- Matt that gave him the one up though. Matt was like, is yeah. that a joke? If I ran a mile wearing all the iron you wear, I would fall down and sleep a week. You've done yeah. it mile after mile all day. So it, it, yeah. I think what was really interesting was like the, the statement that um, the the way the Aiel fight um, was really focused on here and the fact that they divide the world into Aiel and enemies. Like either you're one of them or you're against them, point blank, period. So, did you catch this one part where he says they're death walking with any weapon or none except a sword? They will not touch a sword for some reason. I did. I have that highlight. They will not touch a sword or ride a horse. Not that they need mm-hmm. to. That's just so, kind of weird. The trouble though is if we're if we're supposed to be led to believe that Rand is Aiel, uh, and I think there's evidence that supports that now. Uh, was this sword actually meant for him? Like now we're back to the sword, and how does it come into play? Like if Aiel men don't Aiel. mess with swords, how did it he, become his? He could be a mixed breed. Well, yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Maybe. you know, it's not like they're allergic to swords. It's just that they don't grow up using them, and they're not trained in them. Mm. And he's not Aiel yeah. in that way. He's he may be Aiel just by by biology, but yeah. it could be the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's some prophecy we find out about, like, moving forward that involves an IUMN with a sword, and that's why they avoid it. Because, be. yeah, who knows? Maybe. An IUMN with sure. a sword and a horse. Sure. Ah, uh, Bella. <laughs> yeah, sure. that's what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, so... um you know, at this point, all this Aiel talk is troubling Rand. So Rand, you know, kind of doesn't want to hear it um, and goes back to thinking about Moraine and that he will not be used. And then Before they wake we up go the next- on, we have to bring up the fact that the Aiel War lasted three years. It was only four of the 13 clans. Imagine if there were six of the 13 clans. Or if they all united oh, and Lord. decided to fight. They could conquer the world. If only there was an Aiel man that could unite them to fight against like the, the dragon reborn. Mm. <laughs> uh-huh. mm. I sense a plan coming oh. together. I do too. Oh. That may be a uh, 
a prophetic moment that you're having there? Yeah. Uh, okay. You can write that one down in the book. <laughs> I can write that one down as a prediction. That, yeah, that prediction. brand's good. Going to unite all the IEL clans together. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So um, I'll write it down as a prediction. You can That'll give next Ian that credit. That way, if it's wrong, it's not my fault. <laughs> okay. Sure. We'll, 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 we'll. I, I feel good about it, though. I, I'll, I'll take too. it. You can underline it. I feel good about yeah. it. <laughs> okay. I'll, 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 I'll take that down as consideration for predictions. Um, <laughs> so... So uh, moving forward, it's the next morning now. Uh, Rand's gone to sleep, wakes up, and they're riding south again. And they're still going south. And uh, they reach a camp uh, before night uh, that, you know, that uh, the dark friends and, and everybody had stayed in the night before. Um, and, uh, you know, he's not thinking about what's worse than a fade. And while they're going through the rummage of this, of this camp, uh, Matt picks up a bone and says, this doesn't look like any bone I've ever seen. What do dark friends eat? Oh, my goodness. This is the part that really killed me. I was like, oh. Ooh. And you realize it's a human bone. And <laughs> well, Trollocs eat people. So <laughs> Yeah. that will. He said, it looks like the dark friends got were handy. What? You yeah. eat your own freaking people. The least you could do is save those that are loyal to you, but yeah grief yeah and then after the camp they turn northeast so the trail changes direction like oh i finally we're going back to the blight but then after a couple hours it goes south again and then this happens day after night day after night over every day going on and on again they find a camp abandoned the trail changes and it goes south again and changes and goes south again um and and i feel like they're getting closer i mean heron says they're getting closer and inktar Thinks well. Think about turning south. Why don't we just cut across the path? And, but I really just can't bring himself to do it. it. Like, yeah, what, if that's yeah, the one time, one time they finally went north. Um, yeah, um, and then they get to a small village. Um, so uh, before we get this, anything we cover before we get to this first village scene. So the zigzagging, uh, shooting mm-hmm. back north and then back south. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at this time, I just wrote in there, uh, you know, escape question mark. Like, is there somebody in the party that's trying to get away? Um, and does it does it show? Oh I yeah, like and it. and there was there was a murder at each one, so that's where you know I was kind of thinking somebody was trying to break free, or maybe there were dark friends that like got mixed up in that and then realized, wait a minute, I'm in over my head, try to, you know, dip out of there, but they would run him down, kill him, and then be right back on the trail. I'm right there with you. Like you normally zigzag to try to avoid. Like that's an avoidance strategy. As you zigzag, you sometimes double back. You're trying to shake somebody off of you. You're trying to discourage people from following. So I thought maybe, okay, they're aware that they're being chased, mm-hmm. and so they're trying to shake the group off of them. That was my thought. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow. So, yeah. yeah. Well, they get to the small village. There's nobody in the village. Perrin says it doesn't smell right, which 
Heron obviously looks at him really funny when he starts mentioning Svel. Um, right. <laughs> and um, and Loyal asks, where all the people go? You know, <laughs> so they start searching. Um, Uno sees a woman in the window and runs after to find her, but then there's no one there. So I had a question mark there for you guys. What do you think all that's about? Maybe the Trollocs were really hungry. <laughs> you know, there. I had a couple of thoughts here. Before you start talking, yeah. Can you can you guys hear me on Discord? Can you guys hear me? Yes. Can you hear Chris? Can you hear me, Discord? Can you hear me? Tell me, can uh, you hear me? Yes, we can hear Chris. Okay. Well, he wasn't talking earlier. Can you hear, can you hear My Ian? My phone was a little bit further away. Can you hear Ian? I come from the land down under. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Can you, you know, hear, Ian, can I you thought about this the other day. We never sang the Canadian. Uh, One's good. All right, we're fine. We don't have to stop anything. All right, let's go ahead. We'll pause. We start, then... No, no, no. We never sang the Canadian. Um, what is oh, it? Canada. <laughs> well, has hockey officially started yet? No. We were, no, no, no. We're waiting for I hockey. Would, yeah, once hockey know. officially starts, yeah, yeah. You guys, let me know when hockey starts, <laughs> and then we'll see. Yeah. They've they've announced it, but it's been. I mean, so since we're on this tangent now, how about the how about the uh, Washington football team? Oh yeah, changing its name. <laughs> that local <laughs> sporting that's team. The yeah. new name. That's the new name. Is is Washington football team? Um, oh bullshit! That's stupid. Well, yeah. So, because they haven't called the name yet, they're actually going to start. If they start, if they if they start playing NFL, which I doubt they will, uh, but if they start playing NFL, they're going to be known as the Washington Football Team until they come up the name. Well, no, we're really going to go. Team. We're going to go Prince on this. We're going to be the football team formerly known as the Redskins. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's take like a brief that. pause. I think Chris, you're about to talk about uh, the women in the window, so. Pause and Chris go right into it. So as far as the woman in the window is concerned, I had a couple of different thoughts. Like first is this idea of, and this is especially after reading a little bit further in, um, but the first thought was if more death really is traveling with the other party, um, then maybe this is like the spread of his taint. Like he, do you hmm. call it a taint for more death? Like what is it called? The darkness? Like because uh, we have this just the evil more death, more death 19 <laughs> if they're not yeah. wearing masks and socially distancing that junk's going to spread mm-hmm. because we do see that back in in what's the name of the place help me out Ian you know I don't remember Fall name. Shatter Lo- huh Shatter Logoth yeah Shatter Logoth oh yeah like we have this sense of shadows and eyes so maybe this is the beginning of the spread of more death to other places. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a thought. And then okay. the second thought is like, if we're going along this conscious trend of time travel, like maybe this is a land kind of stuck in one time. And, and we'll kind of talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So no one's there. Like I said, they can't find the woman. Anything, Eric, before I get started, Ian, any thoughts from you about the woman and the window. 
Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, there's obviously still a ton of questions about who's traveling in the Dark Friend Party, what the really bad evil is. Um, you know, is it is it Aes Sedai? Is it a Black Aja? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it the blackest of Black Aja? Is it another Forsaken? Um, and then who was the one? Was it who was the female Forsaken that was an Aes Sedai? We just talked about her, like either last episode uh, or the episode before. Landfear, mm-hmm. the one from the the one from the Dark Prophecy. Yeah, Landfear was like. One. So yeah. is this Landfear or Landfear's like granddaughter or something like? I don't know. I have no idea. I just questions, no yeah. answers. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, Loyal thinks the dark friends took all the people. Or, or thinks that the dark, our dark friends and Trollocs took took all the people for the for the Trollocs to eat. That's why there's no villagers. Um, they need snacks. They're moving at a quick yep. pace. Clearly, yeah. And so Inktar immediately starts ordering people around. Goes back to order people about the ferry because there's a little there's a little river there. Says, okay, send people over for scout. Get the ferry back. Go scout. Um, and then they come back. And they begin to explain what happened across the river. Well, I said they don't even want to say. You have to go see it for yourself. Uh, they don't even want to talk about what happened across mm-hmm. the river. You must um, see for yourself. And, and Rand heads down to the ferry, and Matt and Perrin actually do come to on the first wave of people going across. Um, and, and you have this whole entire internal monologue or, or thought process from Rand that you know about how he just wants to find a dagger for Matt. And but Matt's still upset, and you know, he's thinking always the headline person who will always <laughs> have your heart. <laughs> yep, so, um, but yeah, so they come up to this tree, and at first, Rand thinks it's scarecrows hanging in the tree. It was funny. Mm-hmm. So that first Rand thought the figures hanging by their arms from the thick gray limbs of the stone oak were scarecrow, crimson scarecrows. Then he recognized the two faces, Changu and the other man who had been on guard with him, Nidal, eyes staring, teeth baring, in a riddick of pain. They had lived a long time after it began. Like... Mm-hmm. What a horrific thought to literally mm-hmm. be hanging alive, slowly dying. I, like it just, it, it takes a lot to do something that cruel to a person. Kind of sets up the scene for what the Trolloc and the Fades are really all about. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And the two people they recognize the faces were those two Shinarans that um Jingu and that they were traitors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I love Ying Tar's response. He's like, cut them down, bury them. We cannot hmm. be sure they were dark friends. They could have been taken prisoner. They could have been. Let them know the last embrace of the mother. At least, and then they go into yep. the ritualistic rites, which I think is really cool. That Jordan bothers to go that far into detail, where he really talks about how the Shinarans believe 
that they came from the earth and must return to the earth. They never use coffins or shrouds, and their bodies are never clothed. The earth must hold the body, the last embrace of the mother, they call it. And there are never any words except the light shine on you and the creator shelter you. The last embrace of the mother welcome you home. So it's kind of like that karma ideology, um, mm-hmm. you know, that our energy returns back into the world. It returns back to Mother Earth. And then we can be used to recreate something new, which I really think is a cool concept. I, I've had that conversation personally with family members and friends. And I'm like, you know, we're all going to just like disintegrate into nothing eventually. And our bodies will be used as compost. So like, yeah. you know, why spend a ton of money on something that's not important? Like a coffin that's like super nice when you could be a tree. Yeah. So. True. And I, I was yeah, just I was just explaining to my four year old today as we swam in the James River that some of the water droplets we were splashing on each other at some point might have been dinosaur pee. And then we got yeah. into a dinosaur <laughs> pee water fight. It was entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's uh the, not not to get too philosophical, but like I, I've never wanted to be buried because I feel like that's a waste of real estate. But that's that's just me, like just 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 cremate me. Uh um <laughs> I, I I don't need to have a grave marking that maybe three generations will visit and then no one will ever visit again. Because, um, I mean, let's be honest, your great-great-great-grandparents, no one visits their grave. Uh, at least I don't visit. I don't even know who they are. So yeah, me neither. They just, it's a waste of real estate. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's great for your maybe your grandkids and maybe your great-grandkids, but past that. Um, and some people might actually go back and visit their family that far back, but the average person, that I have no idea. I don't the, know if the, you this, get a really, really big tombstone and it's super maybe, ornate, maybe, maybe they'll just come hang out. Maybe. And maybe th- that's just me. I mean, like I said, there might be people out there, so I'm not trying to offend anyone. I say, oh yeah, uh, but yeah, um, and that's just me and my personal like. Just I, I'd rather be returned to the sea sprinkling uh, it's actually illegal now to throw your ashes out in the water because they consider it littering um but you gotta if you're in international waters you're good to go yeah but my my yeah anyway <laughs> down the toilet. yeah there you go <laughs> just, just keep it simple i'm look when i'm gone, uh, I'm gone. So, so uh we had a sailing buddy of ours um who was a big gun fanatic uh he liked to go to shooting range and shoot guns and he also was a sailor friend of ours so he had his ashes uh he was cremated he is he had his ashes put into shotgun shells and wanted us to sail out to the middle of bay and fire off blanks um um his ashes out out of the gun that that's what his died wishes was to shoot yeah. him out to the bay so yeah <laughs> so we did um <laughs> I mean, why not? Yeah, yeah, why not? It's just uh, that's what his dying wishes were. Sure, that doesn't hurt anybody. Just makes a lot of booms. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> welcome, welcome to Virginia. <laughs> yeah. Um, so moving back to the story, um, so they bury them. They have a little ceremony, um, uh, and 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 they continue south again. <laughs> so. Um, once again, avoiding habitation, they're just heading south. Um, and then they say, you know, there's a monument that used to be ahead that they're heading towards. And Angtar gives a quick history lesson about this final battle that 
that Archer Hawkwing fought against the Shadow, and they raised a monument, but it's no longer there. I would like to see that, Loyal yeah. said. <laughs> I have never heard of this said, monument. It was the greatest single victory <laughs> when the half-men led the, the Trolloc out of the Blight against him. Six days and nights it lasted, and when it was done, the Trolloc flowed back into the Blight and never dared challenge him again. He raised the monument there to his victory, a spire a hundred spans high. He would not let them put his own name on it, but rather the names of every man who fell and a golden sun at the top, symbol that the light had triumphed over the shadow. Mm-hmm. Have we like, yeah. seen the spire before? I'm just trying to think. No, no, we haven't. Will we see it again? <laughs> No, it, it doesn't exist. It was torn down. <laughs> Are we sure? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Just for sure. All right. Uh, so they go past an abandoned house, um, and they see a bunch of abandoned stuff um, along the way. Um, you get more history about the area that used to be a capital of, uh, of a major country, and Loyal talks about it, but you know, no one's been there for 300 years, and everything's gone. Yeah, it says the crops had failed, the people had failed, something failed in each case, and the nation dwindled. That's really sad. It's really horrible. Yeah. 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 And it was just gone. And then you have this depressing moment where it's like, I think Intar goes into the how long before we're all swept away. You know, <laughs> um, you know, it has that, that, yeah. This is you know, hardly a nation that truly controls the land it claims on a map. And there's hardly a land that claims today on a map what it did even a hundred years ago. When the war of the hundred years ended, a man rode from one nation to another without end from the blight to the sea of storms. Now we can ride through wilderness claimed by no nation for almost the whole of the land. And then he goes into his understanding of the borderlands about how hard they fight and how the blight mm-hmm. keeps them strong and whole. So perhaps they did not have what they needed to keep them strong uh, in regards to the other group. But so he's saying essentially that you kind of, you have to have that unifying thing, that unifying moment to keep you together as a nation. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you look at the state of the world today, you can kind of see that as um being something that keeps us together, but also is polarizing at the same time. Uh, we're, we're definitely battling a lot of hardships, and it's really pulling people together, but in two different factions. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's kind of, but, but, and then globally, we have a pandemic going on, and there hasn't been a time where we've needed each other more. And though we, as America, maybe separating ourselves from others, we're vastly realizing as a people that we, we really do need others to help us out. So, you yep. know, not to go too far into that, but he makes yep. some good points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so we keep going forward and we run to another village. Uh, this village is larger than the last one. There's just a little wall around, little stone wall around it. It's a, it's a little bit bigger village. Uh, but once again, the village is completely empty. Uh, we get, like I said, we get a description of this village. It's it's larger. Um, uh, so we get there. Ingtar says, search the houses. This time, don't scare anybody away. 
be careful. And Rand walks into a house and steps into this room. The Twilight Zone. So, yeah. So this is probably one of the uh, – I, I have so many questions. You guys have so many questions. But just basically, first let's describe the scene and tell me what you guys think about it. So he steps in and blinks and sees a room. And there's a man. He's carving the food. And the kids are there. And the wife's there. And suddenly one of the girls screams. And the man looks and well, before we go that far, I'm gonna pull up you know, <laughs> little Chris because it's been a while since I've done this. Take us back. Rand hesitated, looking around the creaking doors, the squealing windmill, the horse hooves all made too much noise, as if there were not another sound in the world. He scanned the houses, the curtains, and an open window beat against the outside of the house. They all seemed lifeless. With a sigh, he got down and walked to the nearest house, then stopped, staring at the door. It's just a door, he thought. What are you afraid of? He wished he didn't have to feel as if there was something waiting on the other side. He pushed it open. That really, really, really grabbed me, and that's why I made the statement I did earlier. It's almost like he was transported to another world or another time or mm-hmm. another moment. Mm. Yeah. You know, or was he physically going through the motions, but mentally checked out and on another plane? Mm. Yeah. Like we understand that Rand is slowly going crazy or being overtaken. And we know that time is a variable but then we also know that different times are very avail a variable excuse me that's the jaeger talking so it's like what is really going on here is he caught in a time loop is he caught in some type of magic like what's the deal so another thing i asked myself um the female Aes Sedai, uh, they all seem to have their little special gifts. Um, things that they could do differently from others. You know, the, the Amberlynn seat, she can see the Tiberian. Um, mm-hmm. and, and others, you know, are able to do foretellings and others have different little tricks. So is this the same with the men, the male Aes Sedai? And is this perhaps a, a power, a trick, uh, something that Rand is able to do where he can come into a room, come into a scene, and just by touching something or being present, can you see what happened in the past? Uh, don't know. But I do know it's yeah. pretty trippy. And for a second, when I started reading it again, I was like, wait a minute, I've, I've read this. Is this a yeah. misprint? And I had to go back, and then I was like, oh, wait, no, this was intentional because he does it again. <laughs> so, and again. And yeah, again. And he again. does it like three or four times. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. So yeah. the blink in the same scene repeats. Each time he wakes it's up. Six times. It's blink, 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 blink. Well, you were going to say something. Each time he wakes up. Yeah, there's more flies. So, like, the yeah, flies and it's are... getting really cold and freezing cold. And... Mm-hmm. Flies, buzz well, like that's thunder. What, like made me wonder, like, is this 
actually happening, but is he going through maybe different multiverses or is he going to different points in time or is he looking at the same house at different points in time or there, you know, the flies kind of indicate that it's real. Yeah. But, but then at the very end, uh, you know, eventually he kind of, I guess, he draws on the one power. Yeah, he draws on the one power, and it breaks this thing, and the flies are dead. Six flies, only six. six but then and he looks around. Suddenly, and he was tearing yeah. at something. He didn't know what or how. Cobwebs made of steel, which, for me, imply that maybe this is the weaving, and maybe it's Taviran and one that can draw on the source. He's mm-hmm. like tearing at or ripping at the seams of the creation of the wheel. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, I mean, that's where, where my mind went on that is, you know, maybe he can can directly impact the weaving of the wheel. And maybe he, that's why he he's is so sought after. Yeah, he's also like the dragon reborn. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. So thoughts about after mm-hmm. so, so thoughts about this whole scene. Like, what's your initial thoughts? I mean, we haven't seen anything like this so far in these books. Like, do you think this is I don't know, just in his head, or is it something like that was created by someone else? Or like, what? What? What's your thoughts? Well, like I said, my my initial thought was, I mean, I didn't doubt that these things actually happened there so I, I took it as uh, like his ability to um, you know see what happened uh, kind of like uh, shoot <laughs> who's the guy from um, ah, Boondock Saints where he's able to walk up to the scene and just like know exactly what happened oh, he's yeah. like where are you going nowhere <laughs> yeah. And anyways, yeah. but that's that's kind of he's got that kind of gift. Well, I mean, like there were six flies and there were six blanks. Oh, so that mm-hmm. stood out to me. Okay, six, six is six is a number of incompletion. What happened if we got the seventh blank and the seventh fly? <laughs> dun 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 dun. <laughs> See, now, now you're getting their religious studies into this. Uh, <laughs> but it well, could that, have been intentional. That's that's why 666 is the sign of the devil, because 6 right. is a number of incomplete, and 3 is a number of completion. So 3 sixes means completely incomplete. So that's as right. far as God, as far from God as you can get. Right. So 1 6 is kind of no bad. Idea. 3 sixes are really bad. Yeah. It is. It is. Vo- oh. It is void of all things good and light. Yeah. But forty-two brings everything together. Exactly. So, because forty-two is the meaning of life, universe, everything. Thank you, Douglas. Well, you can only get rid of the darkness with light. And what is what's six times seven? Forty-two. Bingo. <laughs> You're are, welcome. Are we- now are, are we? <laughs> I'm completely lost. I'm like, all right, I need 
deeper explanation. I'm about to start Googling as soon as we get off of here. I do not need to add another thing to my plate. Now you no, just no, like created no, no, questions no. for me. Send me a, a link of something. My my senior year of college, um, I, I pretty much had all of both of my major credits that I needed. So I was kind of taking upper level electives to fill the blanks. And I did a 400 level class on uh, numbers and history and religion. And then wow. I and then the biggest mistake I ever made was taking a um, what was it called? Symbolic logic class where essentially you you turn logical arguments into mathematical equations and solve them for validity and so oh my it was it was insane but anyways the, the numbers class was super interesting and like you know i was going to be a math teacher this is all interesting to me yeah oh man you you could start going like in a conspiracy theories finding numbers and symbols and everything you look at and anyways it's interesting yeah yeah, you, so, won't, you won't sleep much if you go down those rabbit holes. Exactly. I, I if you have the numbers, I can go on for hours just because I can keep, keep all that stuff. But for the sake of we live time podcast, let's, oh, let's yeah, keep yeah, going. Right. No. That's what we were doing tonight. Thanks Six reminder. Six lies. Get to number rabbit holes. Um. So, um. Rand finally snaps out of it. Uh, they said they found something, and everyone's standing in front of this building. And there's a man, spread eagle, spiked to a door, and you realize it's not a man. It's it says, a those black cloths, blacker than black, had never been worn by any human. The wind flapped and into the cloak caught behind the body, which it did not always. He knew too well. The wind did not always touch those clothes, but there had never been any eyes in that pale bloodless face so that's interesting like now that this fade this mineral is dead now it this cloak is, seems to be impacted by the current time like the wind mm-hmm. so yeah, whatever guess, magic was about him is gone he's emptied of it yeah and and matt kind of is taking it back said you know what could have done this to a fade like because we've we've learned for the first book, first book that fades are pretty badass. Like, but to be able to take one still alive and nail it to a door, like, um, the white, like, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So that, that, that's why I mean I know I jumped the gun earlier, but this this end of this chapter right here is what got me thinking about uh, very powerful Aes Sedai, Black Aja, or. Dreadlord or that, Forsaken. Well, why would they, we know like, we know the Forsaken are wickedly powerful. Why would they punish a mineral? Uh, like, whoever did this would have to be against the fades and the mineral. I mean, not necessarily. When, remember when uh go back to the prologue and the man who calls himself Boars, um, he kind of had some negative feelings towards the fades and he kind of yeah. snarkily was thinking he was like you just wait when the dreadlords are you know put in charge when the forsaken are back the dreadlords are put back in charge of you and it's you know you're gonna be taking orders from man motherfucker you know mm-hmm. something that affects so I, that's why if, if it was a newly appointed dreadlord he could just be setting an example for 
the rest of the crew and be like, hey, you work for me now sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Or maybe the Yale men is, are back. Whoa, you said I didn't think of that, but that's a possibility. We know they're badasses. Yeah. You know. Jordan's and then if it's Pat and Fane, like ten new characters to us. Yeah, if if it's Pat and Fane, actually more death now. We do know that that type of evil, you know, it commits acts without any rhyme or reason. So, yeah. So yeah, so it ends with basically Matt saying, "What could have killed a fade?" And Inktar saying, "We ride south," and they head south. Um, and that ends the chapter. So, final thoughts about any of these chapters before we wrap it up. Inktar doesn't get his uh, feathers ruffled very easily. Like, in all of this, he just sticks to the mission. He's very calculated, very methodical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right, the, he's the right man for the mission right now, I think. Yeah. Makes you wonder how hardened he really is, how much he's really had to see and go through. Yeah. 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 Well, before we do next week's chapter, I have to ask you guys. So we started doing this last week, and I did a poll again, as Chris alluded to. Who was your favorite character from these chapters? So both the chapters combined. You both can have individual. Don't agree on a character, but who's your favorite character? I'm stuck between Ingtar and Loyal again. Uh, okay. Loyal, uh, just, I don't know, his innocent way of looking at the world, and, you know, it's very endearing. Uh, but Ingtar, yeah, Ingtar, I think, I'll have to go with him, though. And he definitely solidified it here at the very end. And, and it's to the point I was, I was just making a second ago. I mean, all this crazy stuff happening. Um, they have, but they have to do everything they can to make up ground and catch this party. And he's, man, he's just taking everything that's coming at him. And he's like, well, either, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. So let's, uh, let's keep moving guys and keeping everybody focused and okay. heart of stone. At, yep. Well, was you, Chris? I am really between two characters as well, but I'm leaning towards one more than the other. The first of course is Uno. Just because mm-hmm. I like his attitude. Like, I really do think he's a cool guy. Yeah. But then I really like the sniffer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And the reason why I like him is because I want to know what he smells of Perrin and Matt and Rand. Yeah. Whether or not he realizes that they're different from the others. Like, because they've had a lot going on around them. And they've killed. So, like, yeah, they they killed. They've been in in battle. They there's been a lot of violence around them. Can he sense more than the others? Because he definitely gives some special attention to Rand. So, okay. just, you know, so he's intriguing because he also makes me think: how many more powers are we going to come across over the next yeah. thirteen and a half, or excuse me, twelve and a half books or whatever? Yeah, or twelve and three quarters. <laughs> Okay. So, well, causes I, more questions than answers, which I like. So, are you are you leaning towards here? You're in then here. Yeah. That's yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm leaning towards that. Okay. So, out of the four characters you guys listed, I only could select four for a Twitter poll. Loyal was the only one I did not put on the poll. I did put Inktar, Hiran, 
Uno and Bill Doman were the four I gave as you know, I'm surprised because I thought Ian was going to go with Bale. Well, so did Twitter. So everyone on Twitter thought that Bill Doman would be the one you guys would like the most. Um, well, see, Ian's uh, the sailor, so I definitely like would have. But it was close. It was yeah. almost like neck and neck. Like between those four characters, it was like almost. Uh, you know, it's it's thirty three percent, nineteen percent, nineteen percent, twenty eight percent. So it's like literally like all within a couple of percent. So it's who was the twenty eight? You know. Okay, cool. Because Uno yeah. definitely, like, he he would be my number one if it wasn't for the fact that he doesn't create questions in my mind. Yeah. He's too straightforward to just, like, be the guy right now, I'm sure. Like, his his knowledge of the Blade does cause me a lot of question and concern, and the fact that he's been in battle quite often, I wonder if he ever ran into Tam. Yeah. Ooh. Like that was my number one question. Is there a connection between him and Tam? Like, did they fight together since he's been in so much battle and he recognizes the sword for what it is? Does he know Tam? And will Rand learn more from him as they travel? Sure. Mm-hmm. I like the sure. That's reassuring. Man. <laughs> so as we're sitting here, I'm, uh, I was waiting for you to get on to the name of the next chapter and I accidentally let my eyes go across one line, and now I've got to because it's Uno, and he's cursing again, (laughs) and and it's perfect. And uh, he goes, you say what you bloody want to, but you watch how you flame and say it, or I'll bloody skin you myself and burn the goat-kissing hide, you sheep-gutted milk drinker. (laughs) 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 One of the the things that the people have talked about when the TV show comes out, will they keep Will of Time cussing, or will they just adapt it to like modern day cussing? Like, no, I hope they keep Will of Time cussing. I guess so I hope they do, but like at the same time, like that, that then will become popular culture. Like if it becomes if if Will of Time the TV show becomes like a Game of Thrones type thing, will people actually start using these phrases like "go kissing milk drinker"? <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what's so perfect about it is. Nothing about that is a swear word in our language or even remotely close to it. But when you read that, you could translate it into <laughs> modern day cursing, like word for word. Oh, yeah. It oh, he yeah. totally told him off there. That was no. yeah, <laughs> perfect. I changed my vote to Uno. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was great. Even um, though it's so, for next chapter re- reasons, but whatever. Yeah. I, I'm cheating sure. now. Yeah. So the next chapters. Um, so here's the names of the next chapters. We have a lot of pattern talk. So glimmers of the pattern is the next one. And then woven in the pattern. So lots of pattern Again, talk. Glimmers of the pattern kind of brings me back to the whole scene that Rand just went through. Yeah. Maybe he mentions this to somebody or maybe somebody else goes through this. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, glimmers in the pattern also allude to, in my opinion, like people getting some realization as to their role in the grander scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Like how they fit in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're going to see an old character come back, somebody that can see pictures of past, current, and present future. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe a, a new friend comes back or an old friend comes back. Well, maybe. Men. Sure. Sure. 
All right. Well, for next, uh, that wraps it up for this week. So, how we can be found? Uh, we found on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at the Wheel of Reads. Uh, our Gmail account, our email, Gmail email account is the Wheel Reads at gmail.com. It's a Gmail account, email, whatever. Uh, also, please join our Discord. It's great. We have people joining every day. I think we have like 300 people now under Discord. I've put a um, tag in with my cohort of 80 people today because we were talking okay. about English content. And my professor just so happens to love fantasy books and novels. So I threw up our Discord, our Twitter, and our Facebook, and everyone is like, oh my God, we'll have to see what you're doing. So hopefully that pulls <laughs> yeah. at least 10% in. That would be great. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we'll be happy to have them. Um, we do love first-time readers uh, coming into our Discord. We have special roles for them where they won't get spoiled. Um, would love them just to uh, come embrace the the wonderful world we have there on Discord. Um, also, if you're so inclined, you want to listen to this live. Uh, if you want to a month on Patreon, you can listen to us talk live and all of the great uh, mishaps and having to uh, stop and restart and all the stuff that happens that gets cut out because we don't know really what we're doing. Um, <laughs> um, so you get to steal that live uh, for a dollar a month. Um, or if you want to pay $5 a month, you can get the episode the day after record. So like tomorrow, I will release this episode to those people. Um, of course, that will be unedited. So you get the same kind of feel as so if you miss a live, you can still get it. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so Patreon, check it out. Lots of cool benefits. We have lots of tears. Um, other than that, uh, like, review, share us, tell us to your friends. If they haven't read Will of Time, tell, us, tell, tell them to start listening to us and pick the book up. Um, we're a great companion podcast. Uh, we try not to spoil anything, um, even though sometimes uh, it seems like they, there is, but there's, but these guys have never read it before. So, um, yeah, that's great. It's a great way to follow along. So that's about it for this week. Anything else from you guys? Yeah. Until no, next time. Peace. All right. Well, I know some people are going to jump over to the way to leaf, but uh, I'll join the, the bureau for a little bit. If anyone wants to chat. So. All right. Um, yep.